it's uh, your podcast host Zenon and this is just a another small episode in between my very busy schedule of recording uh, interviews uh, which I'm currently doing so uh, yeah just just uh, I wanted to talk about um, the current situation in Ukraine um, the terrible uh, situation that's unfolding here in Ukraine at the minute and how I see it from, from my perspective. There's there's a lot being said um, about the situation in, in the media, um, international media and uh, the vast majority of it is widely condemned, uh, condemnating, I think that's the word, uh, President Putin and, and Russia for their aggressive actions. And while Absolutely, I think we should condemn um, Putin and uh, Russia's actions for their aggression and for their uh, apparent illegal invasion. Um, I think we need to take a step back here and just uh, realise perhaps a, a few things. Uh, I guess the first thing to, to say about this here is that ultimately it doesn't really matter who's to blame for this here because there's a lot of back and forth in, as I said, the media, um, certain sections of the media regarding this here. The, the real losers here are the, the Ukrainian and potentially Russian people and also, by large, um, people of Europe and the international community. It's, uh, it's the ordinary everyday people who suffer from, from these wars. There are no winners in wars, there are only losers. It's not going to be President Biden um, that will be losing out. It'll not be President Biden that pays in, uh, higher energy prices or um, pays more for their food. Uh, it will not be President Putin or his close allies that uh, pay more for, for, for energy prices or pay more for food and will not ultimately get hit um, by these sanctions. Uh, it's going to be the ordinary people. It's going to be the ordinary people of Ukraine who have been put through so much. And it's going to be, as I said, the people of Europe and the international community at large who who suffer the most from, from these wars. They, they always do. I guess from my perspective is um, while the, the international community and while um, the, the press have been largely condemned, con con oh, I can't get that word. Um, I've actually just, I might sound a bit off here, but that's, uh, it's my first kind of interview, it's my first recording um, after contracting COVID for the past week and um, I didn't think it would affect me that much but it, it has and um, this is despite taking a, a, a battery of supplements um, from it so you'll have to excuse my voice. But back to the, um, back to the topic at hand here. For me it's very hard to um, trust the the mainstream media um in this day and age uh, i think i also recorded uh, like a three or four part um, podcast on, on covid and its origins and how i i feel that uh, it has been manipulated to, to widespread fear and widespread mongering in order to, to push people's agendas um and i also talked about how the information around it has been very widely manipulated um, by tech giants, social media, and the mainstream media, mainstream news, and mainstream papers. And I think that what we're seeing in this Ukraine-Russian crisis 
is an extension of that too. Uh, I think what we're living in currently could be termed a war on information. Uh, it is the age of war on information. Uh, we've seen so much restrictions and so much um, uh, demonetization and shutting down of channels of anyone who doesn't agree with uh, the, the, the current narrative regarding COVID um, or anyone who sense um, and has something to say about vaccinations, about alternative treatments, about um, the, uh, the people potentially responsible behind it. And our outspoken critics of uh, the, 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 the restrictions that we are, are seeing in place about it. I guess a good thing about this now is that we're seeing a lot more people speaking out about it, but certainly there has been not just ordinary people or ordinary uh, news media or alternative media, but we've also seen plenty of intellectual figures, doctors, uh, nurses, uh, researchers, all people who are uh, widely hailed as experts or have been widely hailed as experts, 20, 30 years of experience um, in regards to vaccinations, in regards to immunology, in regards to um, the effects of, of psycho psychology and uh, what lockdowns have done. I've had their opinions scrubbed and scrapped and I've not allowed to be heard. <clears throat> And I think that what we're seeing here is um, a, a similar similar sort of scenario. Um, because of the apparent illegal actions of Russia, um, we have seen a number of sanctions placed against Russia. Um, and some of these have obviously included the stopping or shutting down of broadcasting of, of Russian um, channels or, or Russian-affiliated uh, channels in, in certain countries um, and these have been taken on the basis that um, especially like channels like RT and Sputnik um, that they are propaganda tools for the Kremlin and while I think that this probably is right um, there is quite a lot of propaganda and a lot of sort of biased viewpoints for the, the Russian government um, portrayed in those news channels to ask is these news channels any more of a propaganda tool than the likes of CNN or Fox News for Republican or Democrat parties? Um, any more of a propaganda, um, perhaps the BBC for, for the English government? Or pick any of your, your, your state-run media or any of your closely affiliated media um, that are lockstep in, 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 in with their own, your own government, sir. I think the, the very danger point of this here, and um, we've also seen removal of some of their content from, from uh, social media platforms such as Facebook and YouTube, is that when you take away one half of the, or when you take away a dissenting opinion, or when you take away a, a voice that uh, gives a narrative or gives an opinion uh, that doesn't align with yours or doesn't align with uh, your point of view is that you're left just with one point of view or one half of the story. I think that's very dangerous. I think that regardless of whether you think that um, channels such as these are propaganda tools for the Russian government, um, they do also show and portray a different side of life and a different narrative and a different story than what we perhaps may be getting in our own local or international um, a government approved 
uh, news channels or media. And I think that's a very dangerous situation because then um, this can be left open to abuse. It can be left open to abuse as in, well, basically they can then potentially run any news story you want and you'll not have access to an dissenting opinion or an opinion that disagrees with that because um, said channels have been removed. So then how do you then determine the truth or the veracity of the story then? Especially if you're someone that um, isn't quite fluent or isn't quite tech savvy and potentially relies on uh, normal mainstream media or social media chats for their news. How do you determine whether a story is true or not? Where would you go in order to find out? I think a lot of media today is very uh, emotive based. It portrays a certain angle, it portrays a certain viewpoint in order to stir up emotions or to um, potentially portray a narrative. Um, and I think quite a lot of the, the media that we're seeing now in this here Ukraine-Russian um, crisis is, um, is quite like that. Um, there seems to be numerous disagreements or numerous um, viewpoints that I've seen from uh, from myself uh, taking on a very large kind of body of very different view media. Um, so I've obviously listened to the, the mainstream media in, in the UK and some of the US, um, but I've also listened and read a lot of uh, Russian affiliated, a lot of pro sort of Russian um, media like RT in order to broaden my experience, in order to do this thing called critical thinking in which you take one viewpoint, you listen to what that viewpoint has to say, then you take the other viewpoint, the other side of the story, and you listen to what they have had to turn around and say about the situation, and then you determine what you think is right. So I've taken as many different points of view, and I've also obviously taken points of view that um, potentially don't particularly have a, uh, what would you want to call it, a, 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 I can't remember, is it a dog in this race? Uh, horse in this race, uh, a vested interest in this here that you would like to think that are partially neutral in this here. So what I've done is I've taken all these different viewpoints from all these different media and tried to, to figure out what is actually going on here. I guess the first thing to say is that does Russia have any sort of um, legitimate claim to to their claims, to, to their um, so-called grievances? And I think they do. I think, honestly, they do. Without getting into the history of um, the USSR and the, the, the Eastern Bloc and Ukraine and stuff like that, I think that uh, I think Russia's main gripe was that um, we've had the, the encroachment of NATO, um, the Western affiliated NATO, NATO powers and NATO countries, slowly and uh, steadily encroaching um, ever further and ever closer to, to Russia's, Russia's borders. So that they're almost on Russian support, which Putin has, has claimed. Um, I think the red line for Putin, um, as he said, was uh, was not to arm Ukraine, was not to um, involve NATO or grant, uh, sorry, grant Ukraine NATO membership. And I think this is important because um, I think that after the breakup of the USSR, when a lot of Eastern, what we now call Eastern Europe, um, these countries which was part of the USSR were granted full independence to be independent countries on their own. 
there were certain guarantees, there were certain promises made that Russia um, would um, have its borders uh, protected, that there would be no eastward advancement towards Russian borders from NATO. And I think that we've seen, obviously, the eventual inclusion since the breakup of the USSR of many um, eastern countries. And so Russia feels very threatened by this. Russia feels very threatened that NATO missiles, NATO uh, capabilities could strike Russia within 10 minutes. I think the very important point there was that Russia, um, Vladimir Putin, uh, made the point of, well, how would the, the United States like it if, if uh, they, Russia I'm talking about, put their missiles into Alaska, if Alaska invited Russia or asked to become part of the, the, the Russian Federation. So it's a very important point to make there. Now, does that justify Russia, um, what appears to be illegally attacking Ukraine? I don't think so. The way that they have um, done this was the, through the, the, the two, um, two separatist republics or the two separate parts of Ukraine which uh, broke away from, from all of Ukraine back in 2015. Um, they were never formally recognized as independent states. Um, so still remain part of Ukraine but have never been fully re-implemented back into Ukraine. And so there's been a lot of fighting, a lot of sectarian fighting, a lot of lives lost since those times. Because of um, the uh, military build-up um, in Ukraine, the advancement of Western interests, um, because of this here, because of the um, militarization of Ukraine, um, Vladimir Putin granted these two republics um, full independent status. So he eventually recognized them as separate countries from Ukraine. So by doing that there, it allowed these two countries to, as independent countries, to request help from Russia. And so that gave Putin and the Russian um, state the, I guess, the legality to go in and help these uh, two countries. So that's their, um, that is their, um, what's the word here? That was their signal, or that was their um, apparently legal way of um, invading Ukraine, if you want to call it Ukraine. Now, obviously, they've expanded beyond those um, those two uh, separate states, um, the two states that make up the, the Donbass, and have started attacking the rest of Ukraine, Kiev in particular. Um, under the, the basis that they are trying to remove neo-Nazis. Um, Putin has called the Ukrainian Prime Minister and uh, numerous others neo-Nazis that need to be getting rid of. Now, obviously, as I said, um, in Western media, there has been some talk of this. Um, some outlets have published more of these reasons than others. Uh, but most have um, stated that it is completely illegal. But there doesn't seem to be too much talk about, um, as I said, Russian interests, about the failure to um, not militarise Ukraine, um, the 
Minsk agreements, which were conducted by the Russia, US, UK and France, I think, which back in 2015 and up until the present day, were agreements that um, the, these two republics and the main Ukraine um, country would um, sign these agreements and uh, agree to ceasefires and begin talks to um, to come to some sort of terms um, as to how they would proceed with these two um, two regions that make up the Donbass. Um, how they would um, either become completely separate states or reintegrate into to Ukraine or have some sort of autonomy. These were never signed, so this is what Putin keeps on referring to, that they were never signed, never signed, never signed, and so they felt that uh, it was... It was prudent of them to, to launch this invasion. And we've seen many viewpoints on the on the on the television. We've seen many, um, as I said, emotive stories on, on the, the mainstream media and in our in our papers regarding this here. Um, but as I said, we've seen so many different viewpoints as well. If you care to, if you happen to have access, you know where to look um, uh, of, of different state parts or different medias and different narratives that give the Russian perspective on this here. As I say, we live in an information age and it's extremely hard in today's present society to determine what exactly is real and what exactly is uh, a narrative and what exactly is false. Um, and I don't think we can ever really know. I don't think it's as simple as black and white in this here. I think that there are multiple different viewpoints or multiple different interests in this here. You have obviously um, Vladimir Putin and the Russian Federation's concerns about um, the, the build-up and militarization of uh, Ukraine. We have what appears to be in, in Western society in the US um, that uh, this was a legal invasion upon Ukraine's territory. We have the perspective of um, parts of Eastern Ukraine which are largely Russian-speaking and large, largely um, loyal to, to Russia um, and to want to remain close ties with Russia. Then we have uh, Western Ukraine which seems to be mostly uh, in favour of um, closer ties with, with Europe and autonomy. Um, Maybe autonomy is not the right word, but membership of NATO and to be formally recognised as, as part of the EU. So there are a lot, a lot of different viewpoints in this here. Then we also don't know um, Putin's thinking as well. Um, does he really want to restore the old Soviet Republic? Um, is he really planning to take over the entire Ukraine and potentially if he gets away with this here? Is there at some point down the line that he may look at it invading other um Eastern states that were formerly part or were previously part of the um, Russian Federation, we just don't know. We just don't know. The other part of this here is that we've seen so many sanctions and so many um, uh, blocks upon Russian goods and Russian uh, energy and uh, Russian exports. Um, because of all this here, we've now seen uh, steps to uh, remove Russian athletes from um, the, the, the soccer or football World Cup um, and from, from other various um, sporting endeavours. I think this is completely wrong because you're, you're not punishing um, Vladimir Putin, you're not punishing uh, his, his inner circle, <coughs> excuse me, his associates. 
what you're punishing is is those people and those players and those athletes who have worked themselves into a position where they are now and to, who are quite probably not particularly very loyal to, to the Russian thing. We just don't know. But I think it's very unfair to, to, to punish ordinary people for the actions of Vladimir Putin and his um, and his inner circle, I guess. In the same way that uh, all of these sanctions and all of these bans on, on, on goods and exports will ultimately hit the ordinary, everyday people in the pocket. Um, I also think that it's, it, it's a very ironic, as what we need to remember here in, in, in this, um, in, in the media, which doesn't get talked about. And I don't want to sound as if I'm um, just doing this, what you call whataboutery, is when a point is raised, you, you immediately uh, contest it with, well, well, what about, what about, you know, which doesn't actually um, address the original grievance, the original point. But we also have to remember here is that for all the condemnation, for all the moral high ground taken by, um, especially the UK and the US, is that the UK and especially the US have invaded quite a lot of countries um, over the past years. We've seen the illegal invasion of Iran, or sorry, Iraq. We've seen the illegal invasion of Afghanistan. We've seen the um, illegal invasion of Syria. Um, these countries where they were never um, asked or invited to come in. We've seen the invasion of Syria. We've seen um, invasions of Somalia um, and, and threatens, threatening talks of uh, invading Iran and, and numerous other countries. And with this here, we've seen the displacement of millions of people, of the loss of hundreds of thousands of lives. And we've seen mass exodus of people from their, from their homelands into, um, into countries such as Europe. Um, and the amount of countless loss of life um, of, of US personnel and UK personnel and <coughs> EU personnel. A lot of these invasions have been done without um, UN resolutions. But yet we haven't seen any talk or any um, threatening of actions similar to the ones that we've seen here on, on Russia. And again, this is not to um, this is not to pick sides. It's just to simply to provide balance and point out, <coughs> excuse me, point out kind of the hypocrisy that we're seeing in the media, um, where we didn't see, I guess, um, the same sort of uh, uh, outrage and aggression and threatening of sanctions against illegal invasions, and to date, a lot more loss of life and a lot more destruction in these countries that I mentioned by superpowers such as the US. Perhaps that's because these countries feel that the US is too powerful to, to punish. Um, perhaps they are afraid. Perhaps it's because it's not what we would term part of um, part of Russia, or sorry, part of Europe. Um, that they've been Arab countries. Perhaps, um, perhaps there's less car, perhaps there's less feeling for people in these countries as there is for uh, a country like um, like Ukraine because it does seem to be mostly um, European countries um, which uh, have imposed these sanctions and have been outraged by these rather than many countries around the world and uh, there doesn't seem to be too much condemnation for countries in the Middle East from South America I've yet to hear Australia's um, or New Zealand's um, uh, viewpoints on this here 
and also countries like China um, and, and countries surrounding that country. So I'm perhaps wondering, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I'm wondering, does this or is, is, is this part of the reason why um, that perhaps there's, there's less care, there's less um, thought for human life in, in countries in the Middle East? Is it because they are Muslim countries and Europe is a predominantly Christian country or a historical Christian country? I don't know. What I do know, as I said, is that there does seem to be a lot of hypocrisy in, in the media regarding this here. And while we should condemn um, Vladimir Putin and uh, the Russian army and the, the, the Russian state for, for doing this here, for invading Ukraine, we need to take a step back and realise that we aren't in full possession of the facts. Even for someone who, um, as I said, does a lot of research, does a lot of different viewpoints, tries to get as much viewpoint and as much um, fact-based news as possible and try to get as many different viewpoints betraying each of this. I honestly do not know where I am in this. Um, it's okay, there's a lot of people that will... Um, just simply accept what their own media is saying them. There's a lot of people who are aligned with um, the Russian viewpoint um, and will believe everything that comes out of that. But ultimately, we actually don't know. We don't know the full ins and outs of this. We're only reading news stories that are giving a certain angle, a certain narrative. And so from myself, I find myself becoming very emotionally involved um, in this situation. I find myself... Um, a lot of emotions coming up, a lot of uh, anger, a lot of contentment uh, uh, about people who are just simply buying into narratives in which their, their own country was saying. And that's not helpful either. It's completely not helpful. So what I needed to do was take myself out of that. And I guess the, the advice that came to me was be like a Buddha. Be like a Buddha and find the middle path. Find the middle ground in this here. Um, there is no black and white in this. We can only have the middle ground in this here. Try to find balance in this. And remember that we're getting sucked into the games of politics. We're getting sucked into the games of geopolitics. That ultimately, these wars, these acts of aggression, they're over um, borders, they're over land, they're over resources. And as spiritual people, or people who... Um, are trying to, to lead a spiritual life, we have to realise that um, we're not defined by the colour of our skin. We're not defined by our nationality. We are not defined by our ethnic background. That we are living a temporary experience inside a human body. Um, and we are spirit ultimately. And the people who are suffering the most in this, as I said before at the beginning of this year, are the people who are trapped in the middle of this. It's the Ukrainian people. And so it's with that there that we need to um, stop getting sucked into these games of politics and picking sides because it's never solved anything. And these ones who are putting the shots, who are making the decisions, are not the ones who are going to suffer throughout this. It's going to be the ordinary, everyday people, people like you, people like me, who are suffering this here. So what we need to do is stop um, getting emotionally involved in these sides picking, stop siding with, with either side in this here and simply expand your energy if you need to in sympathy for 
Ukrainian people and anyone else who's been put into this conflict. So what we need to do is become like a Buddhist. Um, let go of attachments. Let go of emotional attachments to yeah, right or wrong or good or bad here. We don't know the truth and we probably won't know the ultimate truth and that's here for many years to come in the same way that we still don't know the truth about this coronavirus and where it's come from and its origins and um, who let it out if it's a man-made or not and vaccinations and the rightness and wrongness of restrictions and so it's going to be the same in this year. Let go of attachments to either side. Focus your energy. Send love, send light to the Ukrainian people. And remember that you may think that this is useless. Well, that's not going to solve anything. Well, thoughts are very powerful. We do know that thoughts carry weight. And we do know the fact that mass um, praying, that, that um, mass meditation can make changes in the physical world. We constantly talk about the power of attraction, the law of attraction, manifesting things in, into our lives, manifesting things. But generally it's only for our own ends. It's only for how can I manifest my life better? I truly believe, and many people out there um, practice law of attraction and truly believe it works. So if you're going to practice law of attraction and, and do truly believe it works, how about practicing law of attraction and trying to attract or trying to manifest um, peace, cool heads um, in this situation. How about we all do that and we can help hopefully stop this escalation. We've heard talk in the media from, from Vladimir Putin um, that, um, that to, to be prepared for nuclear readiness. So the threat of nuclear um, arms is apparently being discussed. And while I don't think that, that it will come to this here, I think that um, I think that's a, just a, a doomsday scenario in case Russia was uh, invaded. Um, and ultimately, I don't think that this would be allowed to happen. We know that uh, uh, nuclear bombs that have been set off in space have been stopped before, that, that they've been disarmed before by various uh, bodies and entities that are around our planet right now. I don't think that it would be allowed to come to that. I <clears throat> don't think that, but this, once again, this talk creates fear, creates anger. And so what we need to do is use our practices like meditation, like sending prayers, like your law of attraction, to try and manifest change in the world, to try and manifest peace, and to hope that the, these um, peace talks, these mediation that apparently are underway today, will be successful, and some sort of agreement will be in place. And so... I think that's, that is the most important message. Take a step back from right or wrong. Realise that what is being portrayed in the media is probably not the 100% facts. Um, and that uh, restrictions on, on, on media, on Russian media, um, are probably not helpful because it only leaves us then with one side of the story, one view, which can be very easily manipulated, very easily distorted and abused. And just as I said, Send your prayers, send your thoughts, send your good wishes, meditate if, if you like, um, and hope that this situation uh, resolves in a peaceful way. So with that, I've been your host, Zenith, and I hope that uh, the next time I speak to you, we will have better news.